New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Today we have a panel about women in tech and we have the great privilege of having three fantastic leaders uh, joining us today to share some of their stories and some of their learnings. So first up, Sarah Webb, maybe you could give us a, just a little bit of an intro to uh, to yourself and where you fit into this big wide world of technology here in New Zealand. Thank you, Paul. I'd love to. Um, so I'm Sarah Webb. I'm the COO of Lawview, which is a global legal tech business operating out of Tauranga. Lawview is legal operations software, software as a service for in-house legal teams. My whole career has actually been in tech. I've got more than 20 years experience in the software engineering space. Um, I'm from the UK originally, so uh, predominantly my career has been in London and has spanned a range of startups and, and large corporations over the years and, and in a bunch of different sectors as well, including education, retail, media and, and now legal. Uh, back when I was still in London, I led the streaming media team at Love From, so I think the UK version of Netflix. And uh, with my amazing team there, we pioneered streaming media to TVs and gaming consoles, which ultimately led to the acquisition of that company by Amazon, which was a great experience. So I moved with my husband and my two children to New Zealand about seven years ago. And apart from a wee panic um, on arrival about what I was doing to my career options, I, I can honestly say I haven't looked back. I love living here. I was actually introduced to Tim and Sam, our founders, in 2015 when the idea of Lawview was taking shape and um, I joined them as CTO. And as the technical leader here at Lawview, I've built out and led our engineering teams, defined our technical strategy and roadmap, and I've built out our information security program, which um, is now considered best in class by some of the most prestigious brands out there, including the likes of the big four, Telstra, Nissan, who make up some of our customers. So I moved into the role of COO. I started out as CTO, as I said. I moved into the role of COO just over a year ago, um, kind of a natural progression because as well as our engineering departments, I also look after our data and analytics, people and culture, and customer success teams here. And we're in a really uh, fast growth stage here at Lawview. We tripled our um, ARR in 2020, and we've grown the team from 17 at the beginning of 2020 to just over 70 now. And about 30 of those have joined us since the beginning of this year, so that's been an awesome challenge. I've actually been pretty lucky when it comes to my career and I, I do say the word lucky with air quotes so, so maybe we'll come back and talk about that a bit more later on but I'm very conscious of the imbalance of diversity in the tech industries and both Lawview and myself personally are passionate about hiring diverse talent and, and nurturing that into um, that talent into roles within our company. That's fantastic. Thank you, Sarah. Um, great introduction, and uh, definitely uh, this is what we want to be hearing about uh, on uh, on this chat today, so uh, brilliant. Across to Amelia Gain, uh, looking forward to uh, to hearing from you. Yeah, hi. Um, I'm Amelia Gain. I'm CEO and co-founder of Prino. Uh, Prino is an all-in-one management tool for independent hoteliers, so it's SaaS software to help run their properties. Um, we have around 7,000 hoteliers that we help at the moment in around 25 countries and growing. Um, and it's been, as you'd imagine, a pretty interesting time for our team uh, because of COVID-19. Uh, but being a management tool that's pretty easy for them to pick up and affordable, we've seen um, pretty good growth through this time. 
uh, and continuing to grow. Um, my background, I first got into Perino because I actually owned and operated a boutique hotel with my sister in Queenstown. And through that, we had the property for four years and then ended up uh, selling to another boutique hotel company. Um, but I started developing Prino <laughs> and building, uh, building out the software while we had the hotel. So I've really been there and experienced the pain that our customers feel of um, the immense amount of administration they have to do running their property. Um, behind me, I have an amazing team. Um, and yeah, it's growing at the moment, but yeah, very talented people that I work with. So it's, it's, it's cool and exciting. Thank you, Amelia. Um, and Alev Sampson, welcome. Great to have you here. Hi, everyone. So glad to be here. Um, so I'm Alev Sampson. I'm one of the co-founders of um, the education tech startup Cami. Um, we started Cami when we were still in university um, around eight years ago. Um, but my background has been I've studied software um, computer computer science in the Philippines before moving to New Zealand. Um, upon moving, I did focus more on the arts and humanities. So I did my film, TV and media, as well as political studies um, in Auckland Uni. Um, so when I finished that, I I met Hinji and Jordan, and we, we all have the same passion of creating something and making a difference. So we um, started off joining um, Velocity in Auckland Uni's entrepreneurial competition, and that's how we met our other co-founder, Bob Drummond, um, who is now our CRO as well, and met our first investors as well. Um, and I guess that's how we started. Um, so right now we have around 26 um, million users. Um, we've been growing fast in the past couple of years, especially. I think we feel that we have fast forwarded five years into our development and growth in the span of, of one year. Um, sales has been doing phenomenal. We've probably 8x um, our ARR in the past year. And the team has doubled within the past year as well, which is amazing. And we're still growing our team as of now, still trying to fill in a, a lot of roles. Um, so exciting times ahead, um, lots of challenges, um, but it, it's definitely exciting. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Well, there's, there's really, I think, um, so, so many things that we could uh, we could delve into and draw from each of you. Um, I'm wondering, um, Sarah, maybe we can start with you. I'm I'm keen to hear, um, you know, at at what point uh, that you, you know, recognized that you really, you know, wanted to be a leader and uh, wanted to be. You know, uh, establishing yourself, and um, you know, ultimately, it sounds like you you've had an incredible career so far. But um, you know, at at what age did you see those leadership and entrepreneurial talents uh, coming through? Okay, that's an interesting one. It's really interesting because people ask me, um, you know, and 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 having looked at my career, have assumed, I guess, that I've had this. A really clear idea of where I wanted my career to go because you know, in the early days, I was moving quite quickly. Um, but I never actually sat down and thought in detail about what I wanted to do. You know, when I when I decided to do 
computer science at university. It was a bit out there, you know, there were three other girls doing it, but that didn't bother me. It was, you know, I was looking at the prospectus and I was thinking, I want to do something with computers. There's a huge list of potential um, job opportunities at the end of this for me. So let's keep it broad and let, let's kind of go for that. And then I guess my nature is to problem solve. I love a difficult problem. I love to think, well, I do think logically. So um, it's kind of natural that I get stuck in and, and, and that fits with engineering. It fits with, you know, software development, but it also fits with leadership because um, all this stuff is going on around you and you can create great products, but if everything else isn't uh, aligned, then then the, the product that you're creating is not going to get anywhere. So um, I've always just got involved, probably uh, to the annoyance of some of my peers and, and, and managers at some stages, but, you know, that, again, it never really bothered me. I just kind of did it because it was natural to me. So, um, yeah, I kind of said before about luck and I kind of, um, I use that word kind of freely and then I stop and I think about it quite often, you know, what, do, what does being lucky mean? And, and to me it means recognising when an opportunity presents itself being in a place personally where you're able to recognize it and grab it and then working really hard to make something of it. So although I say I've been lucky, I kind of just have put myself out there and worked really hard. And um, yeah, I've done the things that I've enjoyed. I've never had a job that I haven't really loved. And it's really, really easy to work hard at something that you're passionate about. So And, you know, with, with those natural, you know, talents from an engineering perspective and a leadership perspective, um, you know, did you feel uh, as a woman that you were constrained in any way or have you always sort of just felt a, a freedom to be able to, you know, go in the directions that, that you felt were appropriate for you? Yeah, well, so remember that um, most of my career was in London, which is you know, a little bit more diverse, I guess, than, than what New Zealand is. Um, so it wasn't as hard as it might have been here, I think. But I've been lucky. <laughs> there have been opportunities for me to work with some really great um, motivational and inspiring people who've given me the tools I've needed to progress and have. I've always been treated with absolute respect. That said, I do know, and I think this is where we need to be really conscious, it's our responsibility to be aware that, that not everybody is going to just put themselves out there and, and you know, devil may care, um, you know, pushing the boundaries or, or doing something that's not seen as the norm. So, you know, there's a lot of evidence now to suggest that women don't apply for jobs, for example, that, um, you know, if they don't tick all the boxes on the list or uh, it, they won't apply for jobs that are more senior to the position that they're currently in because they feel like it's too much of a stretch and they won't be able to validate themselves. So I think, you know, on the flip side, our responsibility is to maintain an awareness about that and then and then go and actively do something further up the funnel. Because here's the other thing. Um, we can't give jobs to people who aren't applying for them. So when it comes to women in tech and making opportunities for them, we need to get out there like podcasts like this and events um, like uh, our, one of our senior developers here, Kelly, she does an amazing amount of work out in the community to do women in tech drinks, uh, career advisories for young women in university and, and even in, still in schools, and tech talks for the local community where everybody can come along and take part of those and see that there are leaders here and there are people working as engineers and in tech environments and really enjoying it because, yeah, I think that's there's still so much stereotype stereotyping for that kind of engineering role that people are not putting out themselves out there and kind of going even if they maybe want to thanks sarah
um, Amelia, would love to hear about your um, your path and um, you know where where you uh, recognise the opportunities that you've very much uh, taken. Yeah, my path's a bit odd, I suppose, because I went from studying IT into owning and operating the hotel with my sister. So I've never really worked other than the odd jobs and things um, uh, that much for other people, I suppose. So I was really in the deep end when we took over the hotel and we had about a team of 15 that uh, we were running the property with. Um, I suppose my style of leadership has always been uh, pretty flat, I suppose, and really working in with the team. Um, I think I've learned a lot over the years, particularly uh, in leading Prino as a startup as well, in in terms of how we're hiring. I mean, naturally, I think hospitality is a bit more diverse than, say, tech, Uh, although tech is getting better, like the conversations around diversity are being had. But um, we've really had to look in terms of applicants that might have been outside of the usual um, tech or startup uh, environment, so and then looking at ways that we can help upskill them as well. So I think that's helped us create a bit more of a diverse team, um, but I think there's still a little bit more we can do. Um, but it was important to us as a founding team to have a diverse team quite early. Um, but yeah, I agree with Sarah in terms of as a leader, it's just like I think you naturally fall into the things that you're really passionate about and can't really let go. So I think that's how I ended up where I am today at the moment. <laughs> Fantastic. And Alev, I'm keen to keen to hear about about your journey and if you know if you felt there were there were things that sort of have held you back during that journey. I I started my uni in the Philippines doing computer science and to be honest it wasn't that fun cuz there were only probably four of us in the whole class. Um, a class of 100, I think, if I can remember correctly. So it wasn't as diverse as I wanted it to be. So I kind of got discouraged then, but I've always wanted to do something with tech. Um, so ever since I was in high school, I would try and self-learn how to create a website, do some designing, all these things. So when I moved here in New Zealand, I... I thought about perhaps continuing my tech um, background, but I, based on my experience before, I, I got discouraged. So I was like, oh, maybe I should do something else that interests me. So while studying, I was doing a lot of freelance work. So I did a lot of website design, um, website development, um, in photography and other creative things um, just to upskill myself. Um, while also trying to network and get to know, you know, this new country that I just moved in. So with that, I think I wished I should have done more tech background so that I would have been more up to date. But I, I guess I got really um, lucky in a way that there's a lot of things that are available online that I can just like self-learn. So with that, um, when I met Hinge and Jordan, I already have um, an idea in my mind of what I wanted to do next, and that would be doing a tech startup, um, whatever it may be. We we have we didn't have any ideas yet, but when we started, um, 
everything just fell into place, I guess. Um, and I do hope that um, for the other future aspiring, you know, female in tech, that they wouldn't be as discouraged as I was before. Um, I and definitely with what I heard from Sarah and Amelia, it seems like what we're really missing right now is more representation and more support. Um, and also information for those who wanted to follow this path into tech. Um, and that would hopefully encourage a lot more um, future women um, in our industry. Thank you. And how, do, how did that experience being in New Zealand compare to being in the Philippines? How, you know, how do you feel New Zealand you know, is doing it, even at the educational level from a diversity perspective? This is a really good question because I, you know, looking back when I was in the Philippines, it was a big struggle for me because there, there's a really clear division between like what you can do as a, you know, a young female student in what career options you have. Um, while when I moved to New Zealand, I felt more liberated. I felt more encouraged. I found more opportunities and ways to go through things. Um, so I guess, you know, while doing all my freelancing and meeting a lot of people when I was studying here, that gave me a lot of confidence that, hey, this thing that I've always wanted to do, I can do it here um, and it's possible. So that was that was really great. Fantastic. and. At Cami, have you have you got a you know a, a particular approach to how you create an environment that is maybe you know more more diverse than might be the norm? Is there a particular sort of strategy that you have on that front? The founders and I have always agreed on a lot of foundational things um, ever since we started um, the team, and as the team grows as well, we've always wanted to have a very transparent, open communication um, team that would hopefully encourage them to be more um, outspoken and be more encouraged to take part in a lot of decision making. So whether you're a new hire in a junior position, you'll still have a say on you know a lot of big decision making in the company. And we encourage that heavily. Um, we encourage a lot of ideas and also we encourage a lot of questioning as well. So that helps us create this culture that's more nurturing in terms of varying ideas, um, diverse backgrounds, um, and also different, um, I guess, approach to things because we, we do have a very <laughs> diverse t- um, team. So we're constantly doing that. And as the team grows, we're constantly evolving how we do things based on what would fit best within our team and how what would fit best in terms of decision-making moving on. Fantastic. So- sounds like a great culture that you've been building over the years. Did you notice anything when you were uh, fundraising and seeking capital, did you, you know, did you get uh, feedback on your approach? Did you, uh, you know, do you have anything that you can sort of, um, as you as you look at that 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 aspect of the business, where you thought um, diversity was was a was a plus or, or even a minus at all? Were there any 
um, any aspects there that um, you got feedback from uh, investors at all? Our last fundraising was a couple of years ago, so I guess it it has been out of date since our team has grown from five or six to now 45 since the last raise. But whenever we talk to investors, both here in New Zealand and in the Valley, we've always been encouraged to create really good, diverse teams, especially at the beginning, because foundation is everything for a startup. You want to make sure that everything's set as to what, how you envision your team to be so that when you grow, which we are now in this phase, um, we know that we can we can make sure that the team is as how we wanted it to be. Um, and yeah, I guess we were very privileged to, met, to be able to get all those feedback from them um, early on. Thank you. Amelia, I'm, I'm keen to uh, to hear a little bit from, from you around your approach within Prino and, yeah, how things have, have sort of played out, you know, culture-wise and, and the role of that diversity has played for you so far. Um, well, naturally, we're always um, trying to improve it all the time. But to date, uh, we've like from day one, I suppose, we've been very transparent with, within the team. We're much, we're a bit smaller than Kami. Uh, we're, we're about 14 people, so it's a lot easier at that size, I think. But we are putting in steps now uh, to ensure that continues as we do grow. Um, yeah, so things that like um, just really open conversations about team strategy, uh, team strategy, and and the direction of the company, and seeking the feedback within the team as well, and just uh, things like. Um, anonymous engagement surveys and things like that we're just starting to to roll out as well which I think will be useful um, but we do have a team that is quite varied in terms of um, passions and interests so as um, Olive was saying before uh, those different points of view naturally do come through which is helpful and I think that then runs into our uh, decision making and problem solving quite organically at the moment. Thank you, Sarah. I'd love to love to hear a bit more from you, um, and and down some of the, the tracks that you sort of mentioned in terms of maybe a, a, you know challenges or, or willingness for um, you know for some people to apply for certain roles. Some of those things that have that have been a challenge, and how uh, how you've addressed them. Okay, I guess first uh, the important thing is is being deliberate about it. It's kind of annoying that you need to be deliberate, but that that's the fact, right? If people if we know people are out there and they want to do these jobs, then we need to make sure that we're enabling them to do it. So, I just take a quick second to acknowledge that diversity is obviously more than you know the the gender equation because um, I know that's the focus for today, but it's knowing that. The key thing, I guess, is keeping an awareness, especially amongst the leadership team, that you are going to drive better business outcomes by building a team that's made up of people of all genders, but also ages, cultural and religious backgrounds, and also diversity of experience. So people have worked in other countries where business culture and operations are significantly different and across different business sectors, different size organizations and different phases of growth, because these are all hugely valuable variations and they all kind of speak to that um, the difference that you get 
in terms of you know those business outcomes those those processes that you put in place and your ways of working that really just drive your business forward at much faster and more successful pace so at Lawview we really prioritize selecting people who are going to enrich our team in these ways who are going to fit into our company culture so like Alev um, said there we spent a lot of time early on kind of at the silly stage when there were five of us we were working out what our company culture is you know um, but we were having fun and we wanted to make sure that the company that we build continued that those cultural values and we continued to have fun you know whilst moving at growth because it because it's quite stressful um, so we do a whole bunch of stuff we, we have we encourage everybody to challenge each other always, just obviously in a respectful way, but also to dig deeper into every problem. So, you know, working together, talking about our previous experiences and, and making sure that, that we're working for the best possible solution for our customers. So we are deliberate about filling the funnels. So we've started to actually headhunt talent. Um, I mean, engineering talent is hugely competitive across New Zealand anyway. Um, and to make sure that you are looking at people uh, from all ages and genders and, and all of the things I've listed above there, you need to be a bit more deliberate. So, you know, you've got to look outside your own network. You've got to build those networks up. And then as you bring more people into the company, we make everybody's responsibility to widen that network as well and bring in people that they've worked with before or that they're people who, who know them know and, and this kind of thing. We've been really successful so far in that, um, you know, for a tech company, uh, we are 65-35 uh, split, which, you know, we'd love it to be 50-50, but, you know, that's not a bad number given where we are and the, and the people we have applying. Our senior leadership team, which we just brought in in this year, is sitting at 50-50, which is fantastic. We've just been super, super excited to get Dr. Kat Hempstalk join us uh, as our head of data and analytics. So she's looking after all of our AI and machine learning. So it's really, really exciting. She comes with a background from Trade Me and Zero and LIC, and she's done some really cool AI projects in the past. So to have her come in at that leadership level is just, again, I guess, reiterating and, and leading by example, modeling the behavior of, you know, we can be leaders and we can be technical, you know, and we can be feminine and we can be strong and, and we can be all of these things. Um, we just have to be passionate about what we're doing. That's how you get there. Um, so we, we, as we grow, so I kind of touched on before, we've gone from, you know, 17 to 70. And like all areas of the business, there's a risk that all the good work you've done is going to break. So we've just put in this year a DNI. Uh, diversity and inclusion group that is just made up from people in all the teams not in leadership but by people in all of the teams at all levels and um, you know that's kind of like a check-in do we have let's have some projects on the go let's let's get a feeling for how everybody thinks that we're doing on this front and what could we be doing more um, as I said before you know Kelly Williams one of our senior engineers she does a huge amount in the community and just to have everybody participating but also as a leadership team to back them and to go okay cool we will come along and we will speak at your events and you know sign me up and, and I'll come and give some careers advice and, and all these kind of things it's just our responsibility to make sure that we have more people attracted to these kind of roles. Fantastic insights thank you Sarah. Um, now looking at I guess you know one of the areas that um, we, we can I think often help increase sort of the diversity within the tech sector 
is at the at the stage of, of bringing graduates into the sector when we're hiring at that sort of uh, when we're hiring at that sort of level. Is that something that you're you're able to do at Law Lawview, Sarah, or are you mainly needing people that have already got you know a fair number of runs uh, on the board within um, within the industry? Yeah, look, that's where we've been because we have been growing super super fast, and to do that, you need everyone to be a leader in some ways. You know, so all of our early engineering talent has been at that senior level, um, and ideally, people who have worked in companies at that same kind of growth rate and um, you know scale. So for the volumes of data, for the types of customers that, we, that we're going to, so that's incredibly difficult. But we are. Just so we just took on our VP of Engineering, which you know has taken a huge load off of me. And one of the um, projects that he'll be working on with our new Director of People and Culture, who is or was in the audience, um, Carly Bose, she's joining us mid June, and, and that's super exciting for us as well. They're going to work together on um, on a graduate program and start getting that talent through. And and in the first instance, it might just be going out there and educating. Um, we've done a few kind of um, individual projects where we've had interns uh, during school holidays. And again, that's been led by Kelly Williams. She has been super good at just kind of coming to me and saying, you know, I've got this really great talent. Um, she, she does some stuff with the STEM Wanna Trust and, and you know, I think he would be great to work on a project or I think she'd be great to just come in and do two weeks. And, and so we've done a few of those. And I think that, you know, again, we have a responsibility to, to contribute to this and we're just getting to that level now, that size where we can actually do it, um, you know, without without impacting our, our kind of growth negatively. Um, once you do bring on those people, you have a responsibility to look after them as well. So you need a good plan in place and you need to commit to, you know, giving them uh, the leadership and, and the growth opportunities, giving them the training that they need to to really, you know, kickstart their career. Fantastic. Thanks for that. Uh, Amelia, what viewpoints do, do you have you know, on bringing that increase in diversity um, into the tech? tech sector, whether it's employing, you know, at the employment sort of stage for um, graduates or, you know, even in some cases people that, you know, maybe, may you know, have just come into the country. But, you know, how do we sort of prepare that pipeline and how, what other changes do you think that we should be sort of making even within the, um, uh, you know, schooling processes so that we, we maybe change mindsets a, a little bit more uh, so that we, we ultimately end up with that more balanced workforce ultimately yeah so for I think to uh, to be honest for engineering roles we've actually struggled to find um, female applicants with a bit of experience um, it's just I just don't think there are as many um, out there <laughs> at the moment we, we do really try hard um, to look uh, so that is a bit of a, um, a tough one at the moment but we have for other roles like sales, marketing, customer success, we've, as I mentioned before, we've looked slightly out of tech or other um, startup experience um, to be able to uh, bring some more females into the team. Um, I think there are more and more females coming through and those discussions are being had. But as you were highlighting before about uh, the education piece and coming through as graduates, when I studied IT, um, I was only one of maybe three or four uh, in my in my group that were that were female. So that obviously uh, 
poses a challenge with graduates, but I think that's getting a lot better. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's just having the conversations, having these role models of females coming through uh, running companies and taking up leadership positions. Um, it'd be great to see more females on uh, boards of startups and things. I think that was would be amazing to make sure that they're in those senior roles. Um, yeah, so I think more can be done, but I think that there is change. There is change happening too. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely is. Ella, would you like to uh, weigh in on uh, on on this? Any uh, any thoughts from your perspective? Definitely, um, I totally agree with what Sarah and Amelia just mentioned. Um, right now, we've always been active at helping with Auckland University's um, programs in terms of encouraging more entrepreneurial um, students as well as female um, in in tech which is really great. And as you know, for the past couple of years, we've seen it grown, those programs as well, which is amazing. So the Center for Entrepreneurship has done a great job. Um, definitely agree, there's still a lot of work to do, but it, it's getting there. We're, get, we're getting to a point that, you know, when we're hiring engineers in the next couple of years, we won't be worrying about looking at um, scales or trying to dig deeper finding a female engineer but we will have all those applicants in front of us and we will have those really experienced and you know well-skilled engineers in in our industry so i'm looking forward to that but a lot of work still needs to be done yeah definitely it's it's certainly a, a, a journey but it's pleasing to see the direction that we're going. I wonder, are there any um, interesting stories from from any of you that you feel um, like sharing? Just things that have really stood out in terms of, you know, huge leaps forward, or or just great examples of the the benefit that that you've had from from the diversity that you've had across your teams. Things that and and sometimes these things are hard to tell because they 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 just happen, right? But where where you you would feel like mm, if we actually had a you know a team that was much less diverse, we might not have ever got to that point or come up with that particular solution. Was there anything on on that perspective, Sarah? Well, every day. I mean, here at Lawview, where I said we challenge each other respectfully. Love uh, it. Front, we absolutely do. But you know, it's everything's a bit of a debate, uh, and that's a really good positive thing. And you know, so many times the key thing is going, yeah, actually, you know, I was wrong, or that's a good point because it's all passionate for the right reasons. You know, people are bringing experiences from all over the place, and we literally do. Like, legal operations is a new category, so this is really interesting for us. You know, it's really hard to find people who have worked in the domain before. So what you actually end up with by default is a bunch of people who've worked in a whole bunch of different stuff. I mean, you know, I did streaming media back in the UK, and, you know, we've got uh, people who did mortgages and, you know, people from the finance industry, and, you know, we do we do hire uh, ex-lawyers who are desperate to get into tech, so that's, that's really cool as well. But, you know, the... Uh, Diversity, as I say, comes in all shapes and sizes. With the female aspect, is really super important, um, and the main thing is just making sure that we're not we're not blocking that, and then that we're doing something back into the community to get them in. But the other thing, I think, um, and it's kind of wrong to say that COVID nineteen has had an upside because you know that absolutely isn't the case. But what it has done for Lawview is uh, it's 
even the playing field a little bit because, you know, both from a business point of view and a talent point of view, we were constantly being asked, you know, well, what's going to be like implementing from, you know, New Zealand? It's a completely different time zone. I think I'll go with the local guys who can be in the office, you know, even though the tool's not as good and, you know, the team's not as great. And so um, that and bringing in talent has, has been evened out because everybody can work remotely. Everybody can. So you can work from anywhere and work for Law View now, um, which is really great. And it means that, um, you know, whereas before there's this real strong tradition in New Zealand where everybody goes off and does their big OE and they go off to London or they go off to the States or whatever and they, they get all their experience out there and then hopefully eventually they come back and, and bring that talent back to New Zealand companies. But we don't really get anywhere near the same scale of people coming here to get those skills. And I guess there's a bit chicken and egg because um, – you know, we need to build the tech scene here and attract the really good talent here in order to, to do that. But the, the COVID thing, as I was saying, kind of evened out that playing field and allows us to reach talent in all sorts of places. Um, yeah. Thank you. Amelia, did you have anything you wanted to share on this one or Alif? We'll go to Amelia first. I mean, I agree with Sarah. I can't really pinpoint it to uh, one particular thing. It just, I think the... I think what it, the diversity adds is just adds to the fabric of the company in a way. So, yeah, it just helps us every day, I think, and probably is then um, a strong piece of our team values as well, which then obviously gets passed through into way, the way that we um, work with our customers and our brand and um, our product too. So, yeah, that's... That's all I was thinking about there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Alif? Um, definitely um, adding to what Dave mentioned, you know, last year has been a bit, like unexpected <laughs> for us. And uh, during that time, I was on maternity leave as well. So my husband, who's my co-founder, um, Hinji, he's the one who took, up, took over my team. Um, and then the lockdown started happening. Um, growth has been, you know, crazy. So there's a lot of challenges that we've encountered last year. And we managed to go through all those hurdles and have done an amazing job, if not for our amazing team. So I guess this that was the point wherein I, I, you know, I thought about when we were starting to build our team culture, when there was only four or five of us. And once we were like trying to imagine, okay, what would be your ideal next hire? What would be your ideal culture? Um, and how would you like to see, you know, the whole team work? Um, it, it, it came to a fruition last year when all those challenges started pouring pouring in um our team has worked really well um throughout all that pressure um and they they didn't just do what they needed to do they went beyond and over what they needed to do because they do share that same passion that we're trying to give to our users as well as their passion to help their other co-workers which is so amazing to see um there's a lot of them who help those who, who are just living by themselves or who are just like flatting or far away from their families and relatives during the first lockdowns. Um, and they made sure that not just 
you know, not just their well-being, but also their mental health is being looked out as well. So it's not just us founders doing all these work to look after our team, but it is the entire team looking after each other, which has been great. So I think that definitely proved that having an amazing and diverse team um, can definitely help you go through all those challenges, um, whatever that those challenges may be. Um, and, you know, growth is not always great, as some people might think. Um, growing your team is not as easy as you may think, because um, there's a lot of things that you will lose along the way. And we try to minimize that. And so far, so far, so good in terms of our on our end, because the team has been very, very supportive and very helpful in terms of bringing those um, solving those challenges, I guess, um, that we've been encountering along the way. Yeah. How much pressure does it put on the culture when you are having to grow at pace and you've, you know, you've got things sort of working well with the team, but then, you know, you're needing to pull new people in who, you know, may or may not, you know, always seem as though they're sort of a perfect fit from a culture perspective. How have you navigated that, Alif? Oh, yes, definitely. Because, you know, I agree, you might think that you might have the amazing team right now, but there poses a challenge that you need to grow your team to X. Um, and you need to go more, become more aggressive in terms of hiring. Um, this, you know, in spite of all these demands of growing our team as fast as we should be, we're very, very careful because culture, like I mentioned, is very important for us. And we want to make sure that the team would be happy for the new additions to join in as well. So they're quite involved in the hiring process and the search as well. Um, and, you know, it's not always perfect. We've, we've, we've had some hires before that didn't quite match. Um, but, you know, it's a trial and error. That's how you learn and that's how you get to know who will be your next hires for the next stage. So for us, I guess, prioritizing heavily on finding the right person, then, you know, we need, um, for example, last year when back to school happened, actually this year when back to school happened, um, we were just full on uh, in terms of having so much tickets in our customer success. Um, in our customer success team is already five or six during that time and it's still not enough. Um, so we ended up, you know, the marketing team offered their services to the customer success team and they said, look, we got everything sorted out on our end. We're gonna go help you with um, the tickets and the payment processing. Um, and that that worked really well for us. So, in you know, we could have hired probably 10 or 20 new CS people, but if we did, you know, you could make the wrong hires then because you're just really focused on trying to solve all these issues. Um, but we didn't do that because we want to make sure that we're not just hiring because we need them. We're hiring the right people along the way. Um, but that's, you know, going back to what I said, like the team has always been supportive of each other. So that definitely solve that issue of us needing probably two times our CS team um, during that time during back to school. Um, so yeah, that's, that's our experience. 
That's a great a great story. It's um, I think you know really really inspiring to to hear that, and I think it's very much reflective of clearly the culture that you've uh, you've built. Sarah, did you have something to uh, to share on this? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's tough, right? It, like, as Alex said, there, uh, growth isn't always pretty. You know, it's hard work, and it's not for everybody. Startups aren't for everybody, and so we put a huge amount of effort into finding the right people. It's so costly to get the wrong people. <laughs> so, in you know, and you get to a certain size. Obviously, as I said before, when you're really small, you really have to find senior tech people for every role. But you get to a size where you go, okay, well. To an extent, technology can be taught. So if you've got the right fundamental knowledge and you know foundational skills, then we can help you with the rest. But um, you know who you are as a person and your culture and um, you know how your ways of working and, and what you enjoy is really hard to change. And so it it's worth the effort up front to to find the right people. And we put a pretty significant effort into that. So if we get an applicant that we're pretty sure we like, they pretty much get interviewed for a couple of days. Um, you know, we fly people from all over the country who are interested in working for us and then they'll they'll come in and they'll they'll meet myself, they'll meet Sam, our CEO, they'll meet, you know, the, the VP of their department, we'll take them out for lunch, they might stay overnight, we might walk up the mount together. Um, because in a startup, in any business, but especially in a startup, you spend so much time with your colleagues that you really want to have fun time with them. But you also want to make sure that, that these values that you've set are going to be um, natural for them and they're, they're going to be a good natural fit. So the other part is taking everybody on the journey. So in the leadership team, you know exactly where you're going, exactly what you want to achieve and how you're going to get there. But if other people in the business don't go on that journey with you, then it's just really hard work. You know, so we have a a lot of communication channels. We do all hands where we tell everybody exactly what the goal is, why the goal is, and how we're tracking against it. And we, we do those regular check-ins, and we do loads of other uh, things as well. You know, um, employee NPS surveys and loads of stuff, events to make sure that everybody is kind of taking the break they need. Because as I say, it's a high growth startup. It's it's pretty hard work. You're pretty pretty busy every day so taking the time to celebrate the wins along the way is it's almost forgotten half the time so you have to deliberately stop and, and we have people whose role is dedicated to doing that and making sure that yeah that whole team culture is valued just as much as as all of the other elements of the business very very insightful thank you sarah Amelia, anything that uh, that you would would like to add across that sort of you know culture and and hiring uh, perspective? Yeah, obviously we're still fairly small, but I expect as we as we grow, I think it's fairly natural for your culture to evolve when you grow from say ten to a hundred people. Um, but uh, I think having those clear values um, at the start and ensuring that. Yeah, your team is connected and aligned with your goals and um, with you on the journey is incredibly important. Uh, we always talk about empathy in our team and it's not just, I think the empathy that we share within our team for each other really helps um, ensure that we are giving empathy to our customers every single day. Our customers are hoteliers, which are obviously under an enormous amount of stress and through COVID, our team has been having many conversations with hotelers. We talk to our customers every day, and you know that that 
those emotional conversations do take a toll. So during um, since COVID kind of came out, we we brought in this uh, we call it Prino Relax Day, and basically. The first Friday of every month that doesn't have a public holiday in it, we give it as say a paid day of leave for the team. All they have to do is like post a photo of something cool that they've done in the day. And it's just a really nice way of the team taking a step back, coming back refreshed. And also the photo just allows them to connect uh, with the team as well. Because we, we also work uh, remotely. Um, most of our team's in Auckland, but then we've got some spread around elsewhere. Um, in terms of hiring, I really enjoy being in that process, so meeting everybody, um, all the applicants. Uh, we do bring in other um, team members as well uh, during that hiring process. So as uh, we get to the final group, the colleagues that they'll be working alongside, we um, introduce some of them to the applicants so that there's uh, kind of many people making um a decision there and it's not just based on one person's view or opinion really really interesting are there any other techniques that or things that you have sort of built into your culture that help with the fact that you you have um you know a remote workforce to to a degree there because that it's got its challenges right it's not it's it's not the same as having everybody in in one place amelia yeah, um, we, we, I mean, we prefer to be together. We've got an office in Auckland that everyone loves being in, but naturally we've hired outside of Auckland as well. Um, we're just really engaged. Um, so every morning we do stand up as a team. Again, we're still small enough to do that. Um, but everybody has their video on, for example. Um, but we also fly the team regularly to Auckland for catch-ups. Um, and just to hang out, basically, to, to, to keep connected there as well. Thank you. Well, I can just see so many different rabbit holes we potentially could uh, could go down here, but I'm I'm just I'm actually just blown away by what has been covered so far, the culture across um, each each of the um, the firms that we we've discussed. Wow. Um, I wonder. There's a there's maybe a, a little chance if there was anybody off stage who wanted to ask a question, uh, do feel free to pop your hand up. But yeah, before before we finish finish up, at least sort of formally anyway, maybe we can just go to each of you and and um, hear any I guess any sort of top sort of recommendations or learnings in terms of leading and developing um, culture because it, it just seems that uh, each of you have done so well on that front and I'm, I'm really in, inspired by um, by each of the things that I've heard so far. So, um, yeah, Sarah, any, um, any highlights there? Yeah, I think it's kind of a natural thing in a startup, right? You have... You have a natural culture, and it, it depends who you've who you've kind of partnered up with, and, and and your own background. So again, diversity comes into play there. But I think that what's really interesting is 
we did a so we did a we, we thought we knew what our culture was as, as leaders and we did a kind of one day workshop where we got uh, you know an independent party to come in and and do some sessions with the team and we you know we did post-it notes and we talked about things and we grouped them together and go okay what do we think our, our you know our core values are and they came out as exactly the same thing which was so so rewarding and like one one of my favorites from our culture is to back yourself and back others and I think this is so powerful because backing yourself is all about having confidence in your abilities, right? And I think that's really relevant when we're talking about women in tech because we are talking before, before about, you know, maybe we don't feel like we can do it or we feel like there are barriers there. And, and a lot of the time that is, that's our own anxiety. That's our, you know, what we think other people are thinking is in our heads. So um, to back yourself means to, you know, really have faith in yourself make a decision and startups are like this it doesn't matter whether you're in the leadership team or anywhere in the business we're moving fast so you've got to make quick decisions and you've got to be confident in your decisions so you know mistakes are going to happen in a in a high growth business and the key thing is you know having a culture where it's a safe place to make those mistakes and then to back each other when it happens so you know hand up i've made a mistake and it you know it could be me it, it could be one of our engineers it could be anybody but to be able to stand up and say look I've made this mistake and everybody in our team, and I, I honestly, you know, when I look back, I'm like, okay, I'm not quite sure how we've achieved this, but if you're online, it doesn't matter where you are, which region you're in, um, or whether you had anything to do with what caused the problem, people just jump on and they're like, right, what can I do? I've, you know, I've got capacity or okay, I can, I can send an email or, you know, I can jump on and, and, and look at logs. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just this, this team spirit. And you know, we're constantly in a state as a leadership team of going, okay, right, we've got to make sure we don't break this. What, what do we do um, to make sure that it continues? Because we're, we're at that 70 point now, so it's like constant fear. But what we do is we just talk about it all the time. So the values are out there on our website. So when people are coming to um, look for a job, they've already kind of had a look at those, maybe had a think about what they would mean to them, and then we discuss them in the interviewing process. And then we discuss them all the way through that recruitment process. And then when they arrive for their induction, we do a big piece on how important it is for everybody to live by our um, values, to commit to the culture, and to make sure that every single person who joins our team feels a sense of purpose so that they can create impactful changes every day. And that means that people really enjoy coming to work and it means that they really engage with all the cultural values that they're committed to. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know how we've done it, but we have done it. And I think the way we, that we maintain it is by talking about it often and just valuing it. So at our, at our all-hand meetings, we call people out, you know, um, everybody in the business can volunteer nominations for people. And, and we just talk about all the things that have happened uh, since the last session and, and, and how they, you know, demonstrate our values and what the reward or, or you know, why it's so important to the business. Um, so, Yeah. I love our culture and I'm, I'm really proud of how we've maintained it so far. So fingers crossed we, we continue to do so. Yeah, no, you absolutely sh should be, Sarah. Uh, Amelia, anything that you would like to uh, share in terms of some, um, I guess, some, yeah, some closing, closing tips? Yeah, I was really interested in what Sarah just mentioned before about uh, self-confidence and things because I think um, it is seen, not always, but often with females, um, in, in tech and, and in business and it is something myself that I've had to really uh, work on to, <laughs> to improve and I think through my own learnings it's helped me be a better leader and help the other team members um, and, and, and also encourage them to 
uh, be more confident as well. But as it's mentioned already in this podcast, I just reiterate that transparency is very important and just um, listening and learning from your team as well. And um, yeah, I think we're we're doing that now, but we're on a journey to, to learn more, I think, as well. Thank you. And across to Aleph, if you've got some, some closing comments. Yes, definitely. Um, for you know, for yourself, like you know, as we promote women in tech, I agree. You gotta have more self confidence and more belief in what you can do and what you can contribute to your team. In terms of, I guess, surrounding yourself with the right people, um, you know, surround yourself with founders and team who actually agree and believe and would nurture you as being female in in the industry um and also encourage that along the way because it it just makes a lot of difference in terms of your personal growth and your team growth if they all or they're all are in the same page um and also when in terms of growing your team you got to be more open-minded of what else is out there um, we might have some ideas of what things should be but it's constantly changing so you got to be up to speed on to what would that next thing be and what would the next need will be in terms of making sure you have a diverse team and it's being catered for um, so i guess that's coming from my end Thank you. Really appreciate that. Now I'm thinking just before we before we do the wrap, it would actually be good to to go back to the geeky stuff. And I'm keen I'm keen to hear from each of you. Just sort of you know why is now the time for uh, for your firm? So maybe starting with Sarah, why why is Lawview you know why does Lawview exist right now? And you know what's exciting about the way that the technology and the people and everything is lining up for the business. Just, I guess, a you know, a fairly sort of short, uh, maybe a sort of a, a sixty-second sort of um, you know snapshot on, um, yeah, why, why, why now for Lawview? Okay, so legal teams have really been neglected when it comes to technology. Um, you know, you see sales team having Salesforce, finance team having NetSuite. There's something for every department in the business, but legal teams need targeted solutions for the unique problems and workflows they're solving. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about the value of the work that legal teams do for an organization and it hasn't been prioritized. So we find all the time that legal teams we speak to are desperately keen for AI solutions. They can see it happening for the rest of the business and they want to reduce their workload. But the truth is you just can't jump straight there if you've got no organized data sets. So a lot of these teams we're speaking to are still operating solely on things like Outlook and Excel. So the first step is to get them using a matter management system in legal workspace like LawView and then that brings so all of their activity and data into a single source. Um, and they can, you know, using LawView, they can add on modules for contracts, spend management, but also integrate into other legal point solutions as well that they might already be using that solve specific problems for them. Once they've got that, it starts to get exciting because we can start to automate the highly repetitive, low-risk work that they're doing and taking up all their time and then give them back that time for the high-value, high-risk work that's so critical to the organisation. So, I mean, you know, we work and we work with in-house legal teams across so many different sectors. Um, you know, we've got financial institutions, we've got manufacturers, we've got like telecoms, um, food delivery services, all sorts of things, funeral homes. Um, 
and so yeah, the key the key hire for one of our key hires this quarter, like I said before, has been um, Dr. Kat Hempstalk. She's coming in as VP of Data, and a whole um, organisation is buzzing at the moment in what we'll with what we're going to be able to do with this data and how we're going to be able to really really help our customers because that's what we're all setting out to do, right? Solve a real problem and make the daily experience of of those lawyers that that you know are really struggling with some really dated. Uh, ways of working and, and just get them moving forward with the rest of the business. Thank you. Very sounds very enticing. Amelia, why now for uh, for Prino? Yeah, well, it's an interesting time at the moment. We work with independent uh, short-term accommodations, so hotels, resorts, etc. Um, and we work with small to medium properties. So often these uh, have small teams or are own-operated. And as you can imagine, imagine there's a lack of resources. And even before COVID, there was so much uh, work for these teams to do. Um, And so what Prino does is we're like the autopilot for their uh, property in terms of automating the administration and also just setting it up so that it's uh, more effortless to succeed. So... Basically, what the management tool does is, is manage all the um, bookings, the guests, the payments, the billing, and uh, the integrations are really important as well for these properties. Um, so for us, it was important to have something that was easy for them to, to train new people on. So it takes 20 minutes to train um, and also uh, do their day-to-day admin. Um, and so we save them 10 hours a week, uh, and it's also affordable for these smaller properties, which in uh, this environment is proving pretty important. Fantastic. Well, I think you would be hard-pressed to find um, anybody in the um, hotel industry that wouldn't be keen to have 10 hours a week back, so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I don't think a lot of guests realise how much is going on behind the scenes sometimes <laughs> when you're staying at a property. I'm, sh- I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. Um, and, um, Olive, if you can, um, you know, tell us why now for uh, for Cami. Um, education is always like edtech has always been <laughs> not the sexiest thing in terms of the tech scene wherever you may go. So, you know, we know that education is vital for our society to function and to grow. And unfortunately, it hasn't been looked after for decades. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And unfortunately, the pandemic has proven that, you know, a lot of things needed to have developed for, you know, probably passing years that hasn't been looked after. So now is the time for us to actually look into education and focus heavily on how can we improve the thing things for the teachers as well as for the students. Um, so Cami, just for those who don't know what we do, it's like the pen and paper in a classroom. So we're basically removing the walls of the classroom, the four walls of the classroom, and giving all these tools for the students and the teachers to be able to for them to have a more interactive and more collaborative classroom wherever they are. So whether they're homeschooling or remote schooling or in the classroom it helps them be more flexible and be more interactive as they would have been before Um, we also help save schools and districts a lot of money 
um, in terms of supposed printing costs that they used to waste for decades um, and also helping you know change classrooms to be more sustainable because of that um, now everything can be done digitally and can be done anywhere that they they are um, we're trying to see what else I guess we can do to help improve the learning scape um, and what would that future look like post-COVID as well. Thanks so much. Well, uh, it's been a great episode. Thank you uh, so much to uh, each of you for joining us here on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Um, Sarah, if people are wanting to reach out and connect with you or maybe they're uh, they're wanting to um, partake of some of your culture uh, of the sunny uh, Bay of Plenty, how would they uh, how would they get in touch? Yeah, there, there's a whole uh, bunch of ways you could get in touch with us. Have a look at our go and have a look at our core values on our website at www.lawview.com. Um, email us at info at lawview.com or just send me an email at sarah at lawview.com. Brilliant. And Amelia, for those wanting to get in touch with, with you or uh, or Preno. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my email is amelia at prenohq.com and our domain is uh, amelia, uh, sorry, prenohq.com. Thanks. Thank you. And Alif, for uh, for getting in touch with with you and uh, and Cami. Yeah, definitely. We would love to meet more like minded people, um, especially now that we're growing our team. So if you think that this is something that you would love to be part of, you can reach us um, you, via LinkedIn. Um, we have a company page that we look after. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well that you can message me. Um, but yeah, definitely would love to hear from all of you. That's brilliant. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. And a huge thank you to our listeners for taking the time to, uh, to listen in. I hope you've gone away with lots of, uh, lots of learnings from, uh, from this episode. Uh, so we'll look forward to catching you on the next episode. All right. Thanks, everyone. See ya. A special thank you to our partners who make the New Zealand Tech Podcast possible and are proud supporters of the tech and innovation ecosystems here in New Zealand. They are Umbrella Connect, Vocus, Vodafone, Spark, HP and Gorilla Technology. New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community. Proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.